0: Welcome to the Relationship as Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Lee, outdoor adventure enthusiast, dog mom to Luna, world traveler, longtime meditator, espresso lover, and a trained somatic psychotherapist, trauma specialist, and certified coach. Talking about trauma doesn't have to be so daunting. From a connected place, we can navigate anything together. Looking forward to exploring with you today. Here we go. This episode is different than any episode I've done so far in this series, in this podcast. It is an interview that Danielle Cohen offered me for her group, Visibility Medicine. It was originally just intended for that private group and in the process of receiving Danielle's impeccable witnessing and compassion and guidance in the process of sharing in this deep way, I realized I'd love to be able to share these stories with you. So Danielle graciously allowed me to put this interview here in my podcast. It bridges my personal life and my professional life and my business. She asks me about visibility wounds that I've experienced, and we explore a few deep ones. We talk about my experience of neurodiversity, impacts of complex trauma, and I share about an unfortunate experience I had in the coaching world, and that has kept me silent for years. Many of the stories are about breaking unspoken contracts in various venues of life, and how I found the empowerment to make that happen. It was vulnerable to be interviewed in this way. It feels A little raw and tender to put this out there in the world. And I want to place this in your hands and in your care because it feels real. It feels unmasked. And I believe that it is so important, as you know, to allow ourselves to be human as clinicians, as practitioners, as professionals. So, with that, here is Danielle's interview.
1: Hi, I am here with Shelby Lee, licensed professional counselor with nearly 15 years of clinical practice, a master's degree in somatic psychotherapy, two coaching certificates, and numerous trainings in the somatic treatment of trauma. Between her own journey with complex PTSD and supporting thousands of students and clients, She is ignited by supporting folks across the globe to be able to support themselves and the people they work with to move from simply surviving to truly thriving. I'm so happy that you're here. Is there anything that you'd like to add to your bio or your intro? I would just love to add that I'm in my home in Bend, Oregon. And uh, so grateful to have a home and feel grounded after spending so much of my life moving and shifting. And so it feels really good to just be surrounded by people I love in my neighborhood and a land that I love. And um, when you said nearly 15 years, I was like, oh, I need to update that. It's definitely been over 15 years now. <laughs> Um, But at some point, it just doesn't matter anymore. Perfect. Right. Right. So true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for sharing where you are in the world and your connection to your home, which also feels a little bit like your connection to your body. As I hear you talking, just that settled, you know, in your place kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It really feels like they kind of coincided at the same time, (laughs) finding external home and finding internal home and being able to settle in. Yeah. Ooh, I love that for you. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what brought you to this work? Why this work? It was not planned, let me tell you. (laughs) First, I became a coach and then a therapist. And none of it was because I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. It was because I felt completely overwhelmed in my own pain and suffering and confusion. And I had no idea how to feel better. And I really wanted to be a Buddhist teacher. I I felt some relief from, I went on many, many, many months and Long silent retreats, just trying to manage the anxiety and depression that I lived with back in my early 20s. And I remember thinking, I want to sit on that stage. (laughs) I really want to be stable enough and grounded enough. And um, like my teachers, you know, they just, I looked up to them so much. And they all kind of laughed at me. And they're like, yeah, yeah, why don't you go to school and become a therapist? You're too young. Put in your time. And I was a really determined, thankfully, I still am, Taurus human. And so I did what they said. And first I did a coaching degree because I was trying to take the shortcut. And then I realized that trauma exists. And I wanted to really, really understand more about trauma and went to grad school to become a therapist. And even in my last month, I think as a therapist, I was in practice in mm-hmm. school thinking, okay, I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to go teach meditation. And my supervisors sat me down and like just created a special moment for me and said, if you ever think about quitting this, come find us. And they said it in a way that I really heard them that. There was something here I had to offer. And Mm -hmm. it was just like very touching. (laughs) Yeah. And then how did that evolve to where it is today in terms of your work? I don't know. I, I mean, it's one of those, it really is a practice being a therapist and a coach. You know, these days I really don't know what to call myself, especially because of ethical and legal. Mm-hmm. Considerations, but you know, supporting folks with trauma and supporting, uh, business owners with trauma because they have trauma too. But, um, it's like a, it's been a day by day unfolding and evolving. Honestly, a lot of it was survival. It was, it came down to this is the only thing I could see myself doing to make a living and the more I stayed with it, uh, the more it kind of stuck to me. Mm-hmm. I have, um, I've really had a disorganized attachment system. And so the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. So I did the same thing with this work was kind of keeping it on arm's reach, not letting it mean too much to me, but at the same time, never letting go of it, just staying mm-hmm. with it pretty steadily. And at this point it's become a lot of just who I am. So I hear like the breadcrumb, like just the next, the next right thing and then or the next enough thing, or just the next thing, and it building and building over time. Yeah. And you know, one training after another and certification and just following the interest and the passion and um seeing who came to me and uh, what they wanted, you know, and it just really unfolded. It wasn't so much of a crafting. It felt like um I was kind of tripping from one step to the next. And one thing that people often say to folks like us in these professions is, oh, you are of such service. You know, how beautiful. You're a trauma mm-hmm. therapist, like for you to choose that service. And every time people say that to me, I would love to be that altruistic. Like, you don't even understand. I'm paying the bills here, (laughs) you know, and like, I wouldn't want to bust myself, but I am right now. Like, I love my career. It's great that I'm of service. And it's, I got here because I wanted to stay alive. Yes. And and I felt like it it was interesting enough and I love the people enough. And it just kept, it just stuck to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. This makes so much sense to me, and I deeply appreciate you sharing it because I think this is so important to remember that for so many of us, it literally is, what's the next thing that is going to either keep me alive, keep me paying the bills, or keep me engaged, or keep, you know, it's not, it's very often not some big sexy thing, right? Right it might grow into something really beautiful. It might be beautiful the whole time and you may or may not have perspective the whole time. Very often, it is this incremental living life in, in whatever capacity we have and just meeting it as best as we can. Absolutely. And it's not that I'm not altruistic or that I don't love my clients or that... um I wouldn't do this job for, like, uh, less than noble reasons, but I also needed to survive. <laughs> and it's pretty incredible to commit to anything when you have such a level of complex PTSD and developmental trauma. And yeah. so for me, I was like, well, then I'm just sticking with this because everything else is overwhelming to my sensitive system. Everything else is so, so, so hard. I'd worked in 13 different restaurants before that. I worked as a raft guide and tried my hand as a professional photographer. Didn't make much money at that. But this, I just kept showing up for consistently, no matter what. And that has to mean something. It does. I, he- I hear, too, the wisdom of uh, you planted yourself in in something that was vast enough that even in that disorganized state, you didn't feel too trapped, <laughs> too committed, right? Which could probably probably at times be intolerable, but uh, also was a well-resourced enough space that you were able to, yeah, be cared for, I imagine. Whether it was the new training or a new mentor or, new, you know, those things along the way, that's a really there's some incredible wisdom baked into that. It sounds like, yeah. I mean, I love that you said that because I hadn't really realized that. And that is probably the main reason yeah. how why I could keep going because, um, there is space for, all of the healing that was needed to be able to do what I do, you know, and there was so much support and I feel grateful for the privilege I had to be able to pay for any training i wanted and things like that or yeah, that's amazing assist any training i wanted you know i'm i can also be really scrappy <laughs> you know, like oh. i will get my foot in that door if i want to
0: take that training
1: <laughs> that is often a side effect of complex ptsd that mm-hmm. scrappy so sur- if it doesn't kill us and i mean that very literally and i mean that with a, like all the love and care as i say that because but i think that's very real it does uh, we come out really scrappy, <laughs> mm-hmm. We're really able to survive and do what needs to be done for ourselves and for others. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that brings me to a question that I think we've partially answered, but how do you feel that your journey with complex PTSD is a hindrance to your work and a resource or gift or, um, yeah, resource to your work. Uh, and in both directions, how my work is a resource for the complex PTSD. Uh, we just talked about that. Yeah. But I think it's a gift because I can sit with anything. <laughs> and it's not that I don't flinch. I used to take a lot of pride that and say that. like I could sit with anything and not flinch. But the depths and levels of pain that I have the capacity for mm-hmm. are pretty deep and wide where I'm not going to be alarmed. I'm, I have access to so much compassion and empathy because of my own history, because of my sensitivity, because of my training and, wow. um, having complex PTSD. Really forced me to embrace the empathy I have and the sensitivity that used to feel like such a curse. And so it's what makes me able to sit in my seat with so much presence more than I have in any other place in my life Mm -hmm. and welcome every part of every person that shows up in front of me in an absolute genuine way. And feel it with them and not get taken out by it. I don't get burned out by it because I lived for so many decades in an experience of my own pain Mm. and learned how to face that. And Mm. so, honestly, I feel like so grateful (laughs) that I can be somebody in people's lives that won't get alarmed. (laughs) that won't try to fix them, that won't try to figure them out because I know what it feels like when we are suffering so deeply and somebody can't sit with the feeling with us.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: That's how it helps me.
2: But I just want to say, though, that's real different than just altruism. Right? It's
1: one thing to have a desire to serve. And that's beautiful. And that's fine. It's more than fine. It's beautiful. It's great. It's lovely. And what I hear you talking about is capacity, right? That capacity,
2: that ability to meet, to be with, to hold, to stand steady. That's a big deal.
1: Yeah. And I was given that gift. (laughs) And I feel grateful that I can use it. Yeah. You are honed by fire. hmm Yeah, I think I was also born that way, too. I think I was born very, very sensitive as mm. well. And then it got chipped away at even more. <laughs> and um, I hated it for so long. I hated myself for so long. I hated just everything and everyone. That- and... Um, when I finally could figure out how to welcome even the idea that being a sensitive came with something that could be good, it really changed everything. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. So how is it, if at all, how is it a hindrance to your
2: work? Well, in your work
1: for so many years. One of the symptoms of my complex PTSD was chronic fatigue and chronic pain and chronic illness. And uh, not just one, but all three wrapped up at the same time, firing at all different hours of the day. And so trying to show up consistently, which is my number one value in my business and in my work, being a dependable person can be difficult with that level of managing of that kind of load on a system yeah so it definitely uh was a struggle to get into a rhythm and find a structure of work that um didn't feel like i was going on a lot of uh, big roller coasters you know bouncing all over the place not in my work somehow i was able to show up but outside of work i'd have to manage a lot in order to show up Mm -hmm. and um that meant not having a social life like everyone has (laughs) that meant spending every dollar i earn on healthcare and not having extra resources for the kind of space and time and rest other people might get if they chose um just things like that. It felt like, it feels like being a full-time parent. Yeah. And I don't want to take that away from those of you who are incredible parents, because <laughs> I know that's a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it felt like I had to learn how to be a parent and it took every ounce of energy I had to turn towards myself and learn how to care for my needs every minute of every day in order to feel just okay enough. To show up for work. Yeah, yeah. I hear that. I I tend to find that consistency when it's spoken about in our work especially, but I've also felt it in friendships and other places, is a beautiful thing. I love dependable people, but I have personally broadened what that looks like and means. For myself and for others, because I really feel like we have a kind of collective or, you know, this is a bit of a broad stroke, but a collective expression that says consistency looks a certain way. And what I find is that there's a lot of fucking privilege packed into that. Mm -hmm. And if you're not able bodied, if you're not, if you are up against certain mental health challenges or neurodivergencies or caretaking, Burdens. It's not fair. It's not reasonable. It's problematic, in my opinion, to attach that to, to what consistency has to mean. There's different ways, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I really hear that that's, that can be a hard one. And I'm so happy that you found a way to make mm-hmm. it work. For you. I so have. And that's part of how my business supports <laughs> the, Uh, ability to live with complex ptsd i get to make my own schedule you know right i get to work the hours that i know i can be pretty steady you know and that means i get a big break in the middle of the day and that means i take at least a week off every month and that means um i get to work with a team that i feel supported by i get that choice you know yeah Yeah. Um. So many other things like that. I get to choose my clients. I get to choose what I charge. Yeah. And those are not privileges that everyone has. And I am just so grateful that I stayed with it long enough to be able to have the ability to do that. For sure. Absolutely. And when I speak of privilege, I I like to add in that there's, a in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with privilege. I actually want more of it for all of us. (laughs) That's my thing. Like, let's have more resource, more privilege, more access for all of us, and let's broaden our perspective uh, when we're looking at each other and we're we're looking at ourselves in terms of our expectations and how we need to show up. Yeah, and I just like to acknowledge that I'm aware that not everybody can set their own schedule and what they charge. Right. And, You know, it took a while to get there, but yeah, it feels good to be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're talking a lot about complex PTSD and I I think it would be useful if you want to name like how do you define it how do you identify with it what does it mean to you for listeners who may be like what are they even referring to Yes okay I got to put my work brain on for a second <laughs> Well it, I, you don't have to define it necessarily professionally but more what does it mean to you Uh Let me just feel that for a second.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I felt tears behind my eyes when you just kind of redirected. Mm. Um, And what came was rupture without repair. Mm.
2: And really like multiple ruptures, ongoing thousands
1: of ruptures without repair for me personally and that could be um, on the level of emotions you know like not getting emotional care or not getting certain needs met or um, just not being seen and affirmed and validated um, and having so many experiences of just not not getting care (laughs) and then on and then layering on top of that that it's me that's the problem
2: yeah Mm. yeah
1: yeah and then that as a young one turned into me creating a lot of traumatic situations for myself in my teens and 20s and 30s because i had no self-worth because I was just recreating trauma because that's all I knew was I don't care. I'm not cared for. I'm not seen.
2: I'm not worthy. Yeah. I'm so sorry.
1: Even if it's made you an incredible therapist, even if it's given you this incredible capacity, I'm so sorry.
2: Yeah, me too. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I just want to add, there are so many versions of complex PTSD and my version of it and how I work with the people that I work with is it's your body's response to what happened. It doesn't matter what the thing was, right? what matters is what happened inside of you as the result of what happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that additional context for you. Yeah. So you, did you intentionally set out to bring your work online? Was that always the plan or was that part of accommodating and creating a structure and container that worked for your system and your needs or something else? Or were you just drawn to it? What was that about for you? So I moved online all the way back in 2016, I think, maybe even a little before. Not entirely online yet at that point, but um, I feel really proud to have been online that long. And um, unfortunately, what happened was my dad committed suicide Mm. in that year, and I got rocked, just completely shaken to the core. I had a belief that it was my fault, Mm. and... um, just needed to get out just needed to not live in portland anymore my uh rent my lease was coming up on my house portland was expensive i had some friends living in bali sounded great (laughs) they were working as therapists there online i was working for a world renowned coaching school out of la just also teaching for them about trauma and had an opportunity to just do whatever I wanted to do and so I packed up my bags went online moved to Bali and my business blew up <laughs> oh yeah um, I was working 50 hours a week there and I barely got to love and live in Bali but it was cool to see what happens when you just do something totally different you know Yeah, you follow that next breadcrumb. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So in your journey to having this public facing presence in this way that that can that can be different when we're online, what is your or has been your biggest visibility wound or wounds? There are so many. (laughs) But I was uh I'd had one consultation one time with a human design person. Mm-hmm. So that's my level of, of experience. I don't know <laughs> anymore. <laughs> um and she said that I was a five one um I think a generator.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: she said the experience of the five one and whatever that other thing I am. Is, the way she had described it was that she was like, I am so sorry. You must feel so incredibly lonely. And oh. I was like, I feel incredibly lonely. Yes. All the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says, well, the five ones have this experience where everyone projects their story onto them. Like everyone in the world is just like, you are the receptacle for everybody's projections and they think they've got you nailed down. They think they know you. And rarely does anyone ever take the time to really try to see you and know you because this dynamic is just embedded. I was like, that sounds exactly right. Mm. And so many people think that they know who I am and they'll tell me and it will just like not even feel like it lands a little. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, well, there's that. That's the reason for that. I actually made it feel a lot better. You know, there are other people that feel that way too. Mm. So that feels true. That feels hard. When you say that too, I mean, hearing what you, the way that you spoke to complex PTSD and it being so much of that experience of not being seen, right? And so then to have this kind of reenact what I imagine in some ways is a reenactment of that not being seen. Yeah. It's It's perfect. Mm Yeah. It's a perfect recipe to continue that. And I think for me, the medicine has been just being glued to seeing myself and validating myself. And the more I do that, the more people, look, different kinds of people start showing up that are maybe a little more interested. Hmm. That's yeah. interesting when it works that way. Yeah. 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 But, you know, like I was telling you earlier, even today I had a... um Just like I hope a little rupture with my partner and um, throughout the entire experience, including the repair, there was never an expression of like wanting to see me or acknowledging what I had said. It was Mm -hmm. just an assumption of how whatever I was experiencing. And it it hurts holding that,
2: you know? Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's, hard, it's familiar
1: yeah it is and i think part of my work is to say that out loud yeah yeah what that sound like you know honestly i afterwards i was like i'm really proud of you myself shelby you did say that like i i'm really just wanting to be seen here i said that somewhere in the conversation i don't remember which part yeah. um but it starts there and then I think maybe if I could be as brave as I could be which for so many people you would laugh I would say would you be willing to reflect back what you just heard and share with me what you imagine I could be feeling Hmm. that's hard that's so that's so vulnerable especially in intimate relationship when you're with the person that you love more than anything that you ever have loved for 20 years. And you just never want to make a wrong step because you don't want to cause, I don't want to cause him stress or pain and certainly don't want to cause that dynamic where I feel like I'm about to get abandoned. (laughs) It's I mean, how dare you risk asking for what you need if it might mean you might lose that. Right. And because there's so much charge there for me. Yeah. It's extra tricky because he will inevitably feel the charge. Right. Right. 40 years of my history instead of just a simple ask. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That is the. That's the real stuff. It really is. It's like, I can teach this stuff all day. (laughs) Yeah, That's different. It is, yeah.
2: You're so brave. Thank you.
1: Anything else in terms of visibility wounds that you come up against in your presence and practice, in your personal, your business? Yeah. You know, we talked about one earlier that I'll, I want to come back to, but right now when you asked, I've been getting used to the idea that I have a neurodiverse brain. Mm I am highly neurodiverse. (laughs) Like when I learned about neurodiversity, at first I felt like I didn't have permission to adopt that label because that was for other people suffering more than me. Classic story. (laughs) Sure. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my god, this is exactly me. And um the amount I have learned to mask without even knowing it, without realizing how I walk through the world, based on all of the social cues I've picked up, learning what keeps people happy and what moves people closer and what moves people farther away. And it is like I daily hourly um, experience of noticing how much I'm modulating myself to stay in connection. I mean, that actually, as you say that to me, sounds not entirely completely separate from asking for what you need, (laughs) being that lost connection, right? There's so much of that. I think that's one of the things that folks with, you know, developmental trauma, there isn't that baseline taking for granted that connection is there. And when I say taking for granted, I mean like in the way that we want to be able to take for granted that our feet are going to work when we take a step, right? I don't, I don't actually mean it in a, you know, it's lovely when we remember our feet and we're grateful for them. And also, I want to take for granted that when I go to take a step, my feet are going to work. Yeah. And if we've been gifted with able body, we get to do that for a lot of our life, other than when we have a little injury or something like that. And in the same way, if we were gifted with at least one caregiver that was attuned at least 30 to 40% of the time, this is kind of what research says, it's a pretty... Freaking low bar if we had at least that we
2: tend to have a sense of taking for granted that connection is there and exists but for those of us who didn't have that 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 doesn't really go away
1: entirely right we don't get back what we didn't get we learn other skills and we you know we have these other beautiful reparative experiences but we don't totally get back what we didn't get yeah i love that metaphor it really is like can i trust every step is that connection there and have i fucked it up you know by just looking at you funny or you know anything like i'm so programmed to believe that i annihilate relationships and um that pretty much anything i could do would annihilate the relationship not my work relationships it's a different dynamic but i could be too good and lose the relationship i could be too bad and lose the relationship i could literally do anything (laughs) for people to dislike me or leave without the awareness of it it's like just a full-time experience of chaos, but fortunately regulation is a real thing and yeah. repairs do happen and growth and healing happens, but it still comes up. You know, it's not like it's completely gone. I notice the moments where I'm asking to maintain that connection and I'm like, wow, how am I still doing that? You know? Yeah. What's one of your favorite go-to regulation practices like kind of the in the moment people may or may not even know what's happening yeah let me think back to three hours ago. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah um i use my breath a lot mm-hmm. to
1: i i kind of try to
0: breathe myself as big as i can breathe myself <laughs>
1: And it's not a forceful thing, but I'll just notice where's the space in my body that I can breathe right now that will allow me to breathe. And I notice if I can feel any part of me that can just be big enough to hold whatever it is. Well, at the same time, I um, just kind of imagine my kidneys and my adrenals being supported. And those things really do help a lot. life-affirming it does right like in that moment that there's probably i imagine parts of you that are wanting to go smaller Uh right wanting to you know not take up any space to be actually breathing into as much fullness and bigness as you can it's like feels like a really loving gesture of sending this i get to exist i get to take up my full space you get to have a full breath let it go needs to go Yeah, I don't like having to do this, but I do this and it's reminding myself how strong I am and how much I've been through. I mean, I don't think we should have to expect ourselves to keep being strong. Uh, I think that's total bullshit, but it works for me to just remember, like, I can get through this. I am strong. I have gotten through so much. I will get through this next hour Mm. no matter what. I know how to handle this. Hmm. yeah you have such a good strong reassuring voice that comes through (laughs) my um healing practitioner who has 100% changed everything about my life and my nervous system he calls me a brawler like every day since the first time we met and I'm like I feel seen (laughs) and so getting embedded in my system of like yeah I can get through so much because that part that wants to get small is sure that I will just get annihilated yay for breath oh and I called a friend that's one that I have learned recently wow, it's a big one <laughs> yeah I have a new an old friend who's a new texting support and we decided anytime we get anxious in our anxious attachment part um, in our relationships with our romantic partners that we would just text each other (laughs) when we get to that point where we are just gonna lose our mind because we feel so insecure and it's only been an hour since we heard from them last but (laughs) (laughs) we really need someone to just lean on and so i did that i love that i love that so much i'm and in Invisibility medicine, one of the like kind of core teachings of the beginning that we talk about is the difference between the predator and the inner critic. And just like a short little snippet I will share about that is the difference between the predator and the critic is where the critic is like this part that grew out of a desire to keep you safe. The predator does want to annihilate you. And one of the ways that we keep that from happening is by... Reaching for connection by community because the predator tries to cull us from the herd. The predator tells us, you know, go away, shut down, don't talk to anyone. You, nobody gets you. You don't belong. All of those things, right? And that really is a very, very risky place to go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And that's what I did for decades: was yeah. just hide get even more further away from the herd, you know, as far as I could get. And now I'm learning. It's safe to lean into safe, supportive connection, which yeah. is something so many people would just think, call a friend. And I'm like, yeah, that was not wired into me. <laughs> I have to really consciously do that and really consciously be discerning about who and why. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's the risking being known.
2: Yeah. Yeah. How do you discern who and why?
1: Um, there are certain people I may have reached out into the past because I wanted a particular kind of attention in a certain kind of way where, um, it would, kind of create drama like <laughs> like and maybe lead to a little bit more suffering in the end mm-hmm. because i wanted to be seen in a certain kind of suffering and f- feel sorry for and as a four on the enneagram i can throw out all my label <laughs> that is something that is really tricky because I don't believe in calling anyone a victim. I don't ever say that person's stuck in their victim mentality. I think that's crap. And there was a way I had certain friendships that I did start to feel like I was stuck in the loops of my suffering because that's what we did.
2: Right, right, right. So, yeah.
1: yeah. So these days I reach for people that will be really steady They aren't looking for the drama, but will genuinely reach back and be like, I see you. I hear you. I love you. You know, just so simple. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Oh, so good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. What are you most excited about for 2023? I'm really getting a taste
1: of, let's see if I can articulate this, living with more health and wellness and regulation on board than i could have ever dreamed for myself um and one of the side effects of that is that i'm not reacting to everything in life as though it's the most terrifying thing in the world whether it's my immune system reacting or my um heart or whatever and i'm feeling a level of steadiness that isn't perfect that will never be nor should i expect it to but where i'm i'm just looking forward to what's possible what's possible in the deepening of my romantic relationship the deepening of my friendships of my business of home and especially play i haven't had a lot of play in my life um even though if you looked at my instagram you would look like i've been playing forever um but there's a level of presence available now when i am on an adventure that i do get to smile and genuinely be enjoy and be grateful for it more more than ever and so enjoying that
2: that's amazing. I'm excited for that with you and for you. Yeah, me too.
1: Yeah. Would you like to talk about any of the other visibility wounds or the other trickiness, or does this feel like you want to be complete with this with this conversation? Sure. Yeah. You know that question. The first thing I um, thought of when you asked. Um, especially cause we're talking about business was around something that's just been so disheartening to me for years now, maybe four. And, and I keep supporting other people through something similar. And it's just stunning to me. Um, and it has been very hard for me to show up in certain ways in my marketing. In my, um, communities in coaching specifically, um, I was literally blackmailed Mm. by another woman, um, who threatened to impact my business and my finances negatively. Um, if I was to ever share with anyone about what I saw behind the scenes in her business and how she treated me and how she treated the other people that were working for her. And to feel silenced by somebody who claims to be a women's empowerment leader is stunning. Like it took my breath away for at least two years and now I feel like I've been recovering for a couple years from just being absolutely dumbfounded um, by the level of trauma that was in that organization and the level of cover-ups and lawsuits and all sorts of things and I still don't know how to be with it I I still can't speak about it I I can't say her name you know I can't give certain details because I so much is at risk. And it, it just, you know, I feel silenced. Like, literally, I can't find words for what it is to be a healing practitioner. To, on one hand, be giving so much and doing such good in the world on such a big scale. And on the other side, um, being so malicious and scary. And mm-hmm. it is like beyond. I mean, I came, I came out of a very, having a, a mom with a similar kind of, um, unawareness around their, her maliciousness and like just would never even be able to be honest about it because literally it doesn't register. <laughs> you know? It is everybody else except for her. And the more you try to help someone wake up, the more you get hurt, you know. And it's it's been such a journey trying to really be in my leadership. Having that also be something I'm carrying and can't really speak to. I don't know, maybe you could speak towards it. Well, that, I mean... First of all, thank you for sharing it and saying it out loud. For me, just one thank you. I feel honored and all for all of the things that you're sharing and for you, because maybe there's like just a little crack, right? A little crack in breaking that unspoken contract of you saying, staying silent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for, you know, for the others that experience either something like this or the fear of something like this and for us to be able to say like this is real this should happen and i don't know if it's in your situation or not because we haven't you mentioned that there was a thing but we didn't get into any details so i don't know if there are actual legal uh legal pieces in place on either side and there's the navigating it in the in the kind of strategic, practical um, sense of depending on what you have available and what you're willing to do legally for yourself in protection and unshackling yourself from anything that is actually like is literally holding you back. And then there's the part of you, right? The of Taking inventory on where does this, where does this impede me? Where does this keep me smaller? Where does this keep me limited or in a box? Who would I be without this? And to just create space for that conversation and that curiosity so that it, we breathe some life into it, right? Those parts or whatever, whatever is there doesn't get to die because of this, right? and then deciding like it's this it's this incremental experience like so many things that we have to deal with are and it's both tactical and strategic in business and it's also you know a piece of your own
2: soul and person yeah
1: it's been interesting Because I have been consciously making choices every step of the way of how I would like to respond instead of react. Yeah. Because uh, I wanted my health to be first and foremost. Yeah. And I knew that if I reacted, I put my health at risk. Like I could not, I didn't have the energy to fight a fight with a multimillionaire (laughs) who has a huge platform which makes me extra sad. <laughs> yeah. And that I I chose my health. But there's that activist part of me that wants to protect all of the people <laughs> that are being impacted, um, that I've had to just sit and wait and see how I would like to respond when and if I get the energy for it. And the wisdom hasn't come through yet. It's, And I think that's actually kind of cool. <laughs> Because in the past, I would have knee-jerk react, just lit so much on fire, posted everywhere, created a lot of drama. Um, and then I would have taken the impact of it, right? Yeah. Because, um, I know from my history with my mom, for example, is that there is a whole system in place <laughs> that will make exhaust me and make me sick and uphold whatever reality she is living, you know? And so it's been interesting. That was probably the first time in my life that I didn't light everything up. And now I'm still sitting with how do I take care, especially in the coaching world, of things that I see that are so far out of integrity and really creating harm that I honestly feel like I don't have control over. How can I give my gifts around trauma to this community? How how can I use my voice in a way that's skillful? And will that be enough for me to feel like I can move on from this? Um, or what else is needed? Because if I'm honest, I would probably be making 10 times what I make now. Yeah. Had that not happened, um, it's kept me quite small. Yeah. Yeah. I really hear that. Yeah. I hear that. And, and, you know, again, there's this potential part that feels like maybe a bit of a reenactment, even though, right, in the sense that here you have this experience with your mom. And in that, of course, she's your mom. So there's this power dynamic. And then with this woman who was, it sounds like your employer or employed you to some capacity, you were a contractor or a trainee mm-hmm. or something in that, there was that power dynamic that in in terms of that's just the relationship, right? But then on top of that, she also holds a lot of power in terms of money and presence and status in the world. So there's wisdom. I mean, yes, absolutely. I'm so happy to hear you celebrating that like, yeah, you showed up in a way that feels like genuine self-care, even if it's quieter, even if it looks like some passivity or it means tolerating that your business is impacted at the root of it is this place of wisdom and maturity and self care. And, and I, it, I, it's not lost on me that we're having this conversation after you just saying, you know, that this is a first in your life to have this level of stability and security in your system, in your health, which you've prioritized. And so to keep holding that with tenderness and nurturing that, and also possibly inviting a little bit more of that conversation in around, you know, yeah, there's a general sense of this is keeping you smaller, but what exactly is it keeping you from? You know, like really taking inventory and considering what are what parts of those are you willing. To let just be a loss because sometimes that's just the way it is, right? There are losses that we take and it's not worth the fight or it's not worth, you know. There are other places that are more important to give our attention. Yeah. And then there are other things that are, yeah, I'm not, that's not okay. And I need to figure out a way to navigate that and get resourced or get the support and take this on. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm really proud of how I've navigated in. Even if my business has not had the income that I imagine it would have had this not happened, I have my health and that is worth so much more to me than any level of income. And, um, to be able, like, had you told me four years ago, this seemingly detrimental, horrible, terrible, frightening, Awful thing happened. Can you just put a pin in it for four years? I would have just been like, that's like possible. That is nothing I could ever do. I couldn't even put a pin in it for four minutes because all I did was react constantly out of terror and fright. And so it's really cool to be like, look, it's still alive four years later, and I can still take care around this. I can still tend. I can still be in conversation. Around what wants to happen next. It's brilliant. Mm -hmm. It's so good. I mean, really, like that is like radical resistance right there. Absolutely. You're still here. You're still taking up space. You're still doing. It's not like my business is not thriving either. (laughs) Right. Exactly. No, but you're looking at, you're, you're making, what I hear is that there's a comparison here in terms of this person's you know reach and scope and they're clearly big in that sense and that i don't know because we haven't talked about it that may or may not even be what you're wanting for your business it sounds like there's some um limit that this is creating that you do- that you're not excited about right and also i don't know i don't know that how much how big that limitation actually is outside of any time we're basically non-consensually consenting to our own smallness out of survival. I'm not saying that in as eloquently as I'd like to, but that's not okay. That's like that's not okay. That's some bullshit. And when there is this kind of power dynamic, sometimes we have to tolerate it until we can get to safety yeah you know what I just as I was listening to you I really I'm just a little blown away by what I realized can I say it out loud it feels like it could be the thing that I say out loud that just like closes it all and heals it all yeah Part of why it was sucking so much energy from my business and had so much fear attached to it was that the threat that was given to me, I woke up maybe six months ago laughing, being like, oh my gosh, that actually is not true. (laughs) She threatened to tell people that I was abusing students if I told anyone about what she was doing behind the scenes. And It took me three years to wake up and go and like believe myself. (laughs) Be like, there's no way anyone, I mean, maybe someone would believe that I was abusing students. um, But it was me that needed to just not believe her. You know, like I believed her that somehow if she leaked that information, then that would be true. Or something that people would believe that about me, and that that would be what was my imprint on the world. And it was so scary because, as you know, my life's work is helping people feel more safe and fighting against harm. And so she knew exactly where to, you know, dig that knife in so that I wouldn't speak. Yes. And I was so debilitated. That if I became bigger somehow, that it would threaten her, and she would speak this to the world anyways. Um, and uh, six months ago, I, I went through like every scenario where it could have possibly caused harm or hurt. Um, any student or person in organization, and I walked myself through. there were like three that were just painful, challenging interactions. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" That is so far from abuse or possibly even harm. Like, I think it would have just been a challenging moment, but it mm-hmm. took me three years to wake up and realize that my truth actually was truth. Mm-hmm. And, um, it feels really good. good to say it out loud because yes, that is a really shitty way to try to disempower someone that feels like a threat. Yes. Yes. And what I hear, again, is that she consciously or unconsciously honed right in on that that deep-seated
2: fear of losing connection with people. Yeah.
1: She was going to sever that. That was my family. That was all, all the people I was living with in Bali. That was my safety net. That was my whole world for years. <laughs> it was thus, you know, that's part of complex PTSD is the severing of belonging. Yeah. Right. And it was like right there to be re-experienced. And fortunately, this time I walked away. <laughs> you yeah. Know.
2: So do you feel like
1: you can, do you feel like it's a good time to like, let some of it go some more of it go does that feel accessible yeah i mean when it hit me just a few minutes ago i was like anybody like could come to me and let me know anything that they have felt harmed by or they could have an advocate pretty much everyone knows me well enough to know shelby would do that publicly or not you know like that i would pay for a mediator and I trust in myself that I would work through a repair or anything needed all the way through, as long as it was also, you know, safe for me. Right. 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 I'm not going to endure abuse. <laughs> However, I will show up and I will have the conversation and I will take responsibility. I know that about myself. I absolutely know that what she did was wrong. And I think for years I was trying to protect other people's perceptions of me if they were to hear something like that because it felt terrifying to imagine people not liking me. Oh, it all feels so entangled. <laughs> right? The, the desire for authentic connection, mm-hmm. the masking in order to feel like you want to keep it and not do anything wrong and then this huge... Power that's really actually a lot like Oz behind the curtain, but huge in some very real ways in terms of the power that they wield in the world with social, a certain kind of social equity and cash and influence, right? Uh, Being this threat to sever that thing that is the most precious to you, which is connection and being known
2: and seen for who you really are. Yep.
1: Yeah, and then your worse, being this place of, of your lifeline. Like, she really just, all those places, how horrible. I'm so sorry. You know, if I had one intention for my work and my life and my being, it would be that I could be a refuge, you know? <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, there were some tricky situations, and they sucked. Um, that were not pretty but they were not abuse and they were not um out of alignment with my integrity even (laughs) it was like part of being a human being in relationship and being vulnerable right and i was holding myself to this standard of Any challenge means that I'm causing harm or being imperfect and I cannot be seen in that way. And that is totally against what I teach. (laughs) We have to be able to show up and be messy and be allowed to make repairs. Not that we're going to go out of our way to create rupture for repair, but we know that when we're able to make repairs, so often when healing happens and connection deepens, yeah. And well, and they, they, often things get messy and people have complaints or are mad at us or whatever. And it's always welcome with me. Um, I think where I got fried was that there was no support system for me um amidst all of that. And it's changing as you has become and build this refuge for yourself is what I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I built it and my, you know, my community has helped. For sure. But, yeah. but to have that means that you risk being seen and known, so that your community can be there. Yeah. It's
2: both. Exactly. exactly. I'm so happy you have those people.
1: I am so happy too. How does it feel now when you think about like, does it, does there, is there feel like there's a difference in terms of how much this might hold you back going forward? Honestly, there's this part of me that wants to be in, like, if I'm going to be in the marketing world or social media or talking about my work, all these things we do, right? To connect, to build relationships. I've had this like burning desire for years to be on Instagram or whatever and be like, what's the word? Just, it's not mean, but more like direct, more like what the fuck is happening here? And I actually did that last night on someone's post where I was like, no, absolutely not. (laughs) You know, like where I'm like way more fierce instead of, trying to just be this soothing kind presence i'm not trying i am a soothing kind presence but i would also like to show up and just kind of be like a little more irreverent Mm -hmm. about the harm that i'm seeing in various healing spaces including the social media space which is not a healing space and give myself room to just piss some more people off i would really really like to do that yeah Sounds like you just want to be more filter off, more maskless. Absolutely. Yeah. And in my day-to-day life with my partner and my people, man, I'm not talking shit, but I am just like way more, um, like I'm such a bullshit shit detector. It is one of the gifts I was born with. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to just use that as a force of good and be a lot more casual about it instead of feeling like I need to be so clinical all the time in my professional space. Right. Sounds like fun exploring to do. I'm. It's one thing to say it, but we'll see what happens. It's yeah, really scary. I'm still, I am so curious for you to really like, if you choose to do it, to really kind of inventory. Where all the places this holds me back or, you know, it's cause we, we can have this like general sense of things like my business would be so much more prolific or I'd have bigger reach or I'd have more money. But like, so get into that a little bit. Where, how, why, what would that look like? Uh-huh. I think that's, that would be the place that I would be going to explore is like. Yeah. Again, in that in that sense of responding to and tending to yourself, of getting out pen and paper and maybe like mind mapping it, right? Of like just little bubbles of, oh yeah, actually, I feel like I dress differently here, or I don't pitch these podcasts, or I don't show my righteous anger, right? Or whatever the things are. Yeah, yeah. It feels exciting and you know how exciting and scary kind of live similar (laughs) they live close to each other in the body yeah 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 i mean in a part of it is part of the this like fuck the patriarchy like i am so tired of staying in these boxes of this is what clinical looks like this is what professional trauma expert looks like this is what we do on social media this is how we are supposed to relate together and you know my flavor of patriarchal indoctrination was be polite and be nice so everybody likes you and i am really at my edge with it i hear it i hear it (laughs) (laughs) i can be kind but i'm sick of nice good we all
2: want more shelby yeah me too yay
1: Okay, are there any other any other stories you'd like to share or pieces like you'd like to share as we begin to close our very spectacular special conversation.
2: Mm.
1: Let me take a breath and see. Yeah, good idea. I'm just grateful for the invitation. It honestly felt exciting and vulnerable to be invited and um i didn't know what we were going to talk about or what would come out and i showed up with a full body yes and so i just really appreciate you taking the time to see me and this spacious amount of time it just feels luxurious and healing Mm.
2: it's a joy and an honor and i love being in your presence and i love hearing your stories and i'm just grateful for you letting me letting me in a little letting me be with you
1: such a gift thank you
0: thanks so much for listening before you go if you loved the conversation today Make sure you're subscribed and leave a five-star review so we can get the word out to anyone that this might be supportive or inspiring to. Also, if you're a facilitator, coach, healer, or therapist, Creating Safer Space is open for enrollment now. Go check it out at creatingsaferspace.com. If you're a medical provider or healthcare professional, check out creatingsaferhealthcare.com today. Bringing you accessible online trauma awareness and trauma-informed trainings brings me so much joy. Looking forward to connecting with you over there as you join me in this worldwide revolution, supporting the folks who need it the most.